coming off the holidays, I was I was thinking about, and we we did talk about this before we took the holiday break, the Christmas break, and that was holiday or Christmas gatherings, and how tensions can rise within a family and family relationships, and things can go off the rails. We did talk about that on the front end, but now I'm thinking on the back end, maybe we have some folks who are still dealing with, well, they're dealing with the aftermath of something that went down over the holidays. And maybe it was a situation where it was, and we have an adult child and then we have the parents. So um, I was thinking about this, this topic of honoring dishonorable parents. We are called as followers of Jesus, of course, always and forever to honor our parents. But it it does change when we are adults in terms of, well, we honor them always. But when we are younger, of course, we obey and honor them, and then we become adults ourselves. But um, there are a lot of folks who are like, you know what, I tried to honor my folks, but they're not acting not acting honorably themselves and it was a really bad scene how how do i approach this so that i honor god in all of this um i know we have somebody listening today that is dealing with this so walk us through this that's a big issue as you know Kurt and Kate every therapist listening knows they're they're jam packed right after the holidays we build careers on the holidays because of family and the dysfunction, what you're talking about. The key here, people that know me won't be surprised to hear me say this, you, you, you don't honor your parents if they're really abusive or disrespectful or, or sinning by enabling their sin. In fact, that makes you sin. You honor them biblically by speaking truth to them and giving them an opportunity to repent and change. Because if you just keep bumping along and allow dad to say horrible things or mom to treat you badly and you go through holiday after holiday, even as an adult, they treat your kids badly. I've had cases like this. Okay, that nothing's ever going to change and it's actually not good for the sinner. It's like someone that doesn't know Jesus. You've got to tell that person about Jesus if they're ever going to have a chance to change. So this is difficult, but you need to confront that sin. That's what the Bible teaches. If you have some siblings, you might... If you could get one sibling to join you and, and say, hey, you and I, let's, and it's loving, it's not mean, it's loving and firm, but to go to the mom and dad and say, look, here's the deal. I think that is the way to go. Now, they may not respond well, not much you can do, and if they don't, there's some boundaries and there's some things you're going to have to put into place. But otherwise, this just rolls on and the sinner has no idea. These people uh, don't have a clue and they continue to do damage. Hmm. You know, we have some folks who are probably thinking, okay, I, I totally get that, and yeah. it makes a lot of sense to me. However, Jesus told us to uh, turn the other cheek, you know, and and pray for your enemies. Of course, obviously, you, we pray for uh, for everyone, but, you know, it's hard to pray for your enemies, and sometimes the enemies mm -hmm. can be in your own household, mm -hmm. and that really hurts a lot. I'll just tell you that. But turn the other cheek, you know, and be long-suffering and all of that. How do I work that into what you just said? Well, what supersedes those verses are, are serious sin verses. Uh, that, that's often in the context of someone who you're trying to lead to Jesus, and it's not really a, maybe a close relationship where there's ongoing damage. This is a different scenario. Matthew 18, 15 through 17, Romans 16, 17, verse after verse of when there's serious sin. I don't care who it is, mom, dad, wife, husband, daughter, son whatever, 
you, you know, you're going to, cousin, you're, you confront that sin. Now, you do it lovingly. Uh, that's, in a sense, that's the turn the other cheek, because it's a very difficult thing to do. You don't just cut them off and blast them and move on like society would do. Oh, no. There's a relationship here. We're trying to maintain it, but we're going to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And you're also going to look at yourself. Uh, scripture says, you know, look at the log in your own eye. Okay, we're going to be very careful about what have I contributed here. Well, I think that's the balance. It's actually a very loving thing to do and a very gracious thing to do to go to someone and say, there's a problem. This has bothered me. I'm giving you an opportunity to talk about it and to make changes. Let's you and I work on this. Okay, that's what the scripture says. Yeah. Now, if they reject that totally and continue to treat you badly, then you protect yourself and your family. They, they, and they're going to have to reach out to you. You know, and I think when you um, offer, when someone is aggressive towards you and you uh, calmly offer uh, a verbal response and an opportunity to change, you are, in fact, offering the other cheek because you're you're not fighting back. You're not hitting them with a punch. You are... Uh, talking and making yourself vulnerable in that sense because you don't know how they're going to react. But what you're trying to do is de-escalate. How, what are some good tips on how to de-escalate someone who is just raging? Well, once they lose control, and, and we know people like this, they are just going off like a top. There is no way uh, to operate in that scenario. In fact, you will, you'll just walk away. You will leave the home. You will leave the room. You might make a one statement if they're listening, and they're probably not. Phlegm spitting out of their mouth, eyes red, I mean, yelling. Whatever. If they're just losing it, okay, you get away from that person. You say, look, you're not in control. We're going to take a break and you and just leave. When they've calmed down, that's when you can, you can begin to have a conversation. And one of the key tools I've used for years, it's always one at a time, and you take it in stages, this kind of a conflict. Any kind of confrontation needs to be in stages, like Matthew 18 indicates, but... Uh, the deeper level is I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you. Let's meet in a private place, not in a public place, one of our homes, whatever. And I have a presentation to make. If the person's volatile and really a problem, you can do a text and email, you know, whatever. But I'm going I'm to make a statement as carefully as I can, as Christ-like as I can. Here are the issues, my role, your role. I'd like to see us work this out. And then you, you don't have an immediate response ever. You might read it to them if you're in person, but you, you, they have to just listen and take it in. We don't want the immediate knee-jerk, I can't believe you said that. I've got, we're trying to get around that. So, no, no, there'll be no response now. Think and pray about this. Hopefully, if they're a Christian, they'll do that. And then the next day, literally, maybe the next day after that, they will then give a response. It'll be a much better response, mm-hmm. ideally, if we stage it like that. So it's it may take several weeks to a month or more to stage, 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 to work this through. Because anger is such a a monster in our lives yeah yeah it is you can see it overtakes some people yeah you know it really does it does and uh, well the bible talks at length about Mm -hmm. the danger of anger especially uh, in the book of proverbs and to have a cool spirit is a very wise way to respond to things it's just you know even a fool is considered wise when he keeps his mouth shut you know if you think you're going to say something just pause hit the pause button and here's the other thing, too, guys, and it's kind of under underlies everything David's saying there. Uh, you can't control somebody else's responses and um, and all of that. So that's in God's hands, and it's it's in capable hands. Here's the bottom line: this is a biblical conversation. Come on, guys, grace abounds here. Yeah. 
keep the small things small things and yes. don't allow the devil to get a foothold in your life when it comes to anger. Let's go to Carmen in Clearwater. Hi, Carmen. Good morning. Good morning and happy new year to you and your doctor and Kate. You Thank you. Too. Thank you so much. What's your question today? Um, what was you talking before? You're talking about my, in my son house. My son, my daughter, my son and his daughter doesn't have a relationship that father and daughter. He treats her very, very bad. When she grow up, when she born, she left, uh, they, they married, they left her in my house, they moved, after six months they moved to their own apartment. They left her in my house for almost three years. They moved to Florida and called me and bring my daughter back to Florida. I bring them. She didn't know them. So now that she's a grown woman, she's a teacher. And he, he chose to treat her like she is not his daughter. She has his face. He, he is a very, he's my son, but he is a very, very horrible person. Hmm. Sometimes he comes here. I talk to him about Jesus. He doesn't want to hear. I talk, he doesn't call God, God. He says, the one upstairs. And he grew up Christian because I I I'm a I'm a, I grew up Christian. And my my mom and my dad. That's the only thing that I know. And he grew up like that until he's 18 years old. He graduated. He get married and he left the house. And I don't know when he transformed himself like that, but he treat my daughter, my granddaughter, like he is not their, uh, his father. That's just disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful, Carmen, and so sinful. You're right. You didn't raise him this way. People can make their choices. Your son is making these series of very sinful choices to treat a precious daughter like this. There is no excuse. Praise God that you, God, see how God has done his thing. He's brought her into your life, and those three years were so important, I'm sure, in her life, and, of course, you continue to love her. And with this son, yeah, there's an ongoing relationship, but I think it has to be with boundaries and with consequences and with truth. And you don't allow him to get away with treating the daughter this way without you saying something. And you're doing that, Carmen, every time you speak up for her. It may be brief, and there may be some limitations in terms of your relationship with him if, if he does not uh, make some changes. We continue to pray for his salvation, uh, or, or at the least he's terribly backslidden. But he has to face some consequences for this behavior. This is just a mean person. And again, he, we know that there's restoration for him, but that's probably going to come through some confrontation and some, and some truth-telling. And we hope that he, uh, he figures things out. But my goodness, he's nasty. Mm-hmm. Carmen, hang in there. Uh, yeah. You know, the Lord, you know the Lord is with you. And there are some days, though, you feel like you're... You know, feelings can be so deceptive. You feel like the Lord is a million miles away, but the truth is, He's always there. He promises to be with us every step of the way, and there's only so much you can do, again, at the end of the day, right? So, entrust everything into His hands. I know that sounds simplistic, but it's not really, because we know who our God is, and He's powerful, and He can take the most impossible of situations and turn them around. He can do that. Blessings to you. Let's go to Emily in St. Cloud next. Hi, Emily. Good morning to you. Hi, um, 
this is Emily in St. Cloud, Florida, and I have a situation with my son. Uh, it's it's different than the last one. Um, my son has always been a very, he's grown now and, you know, been out of the house for years and years and years. And uh, we talk regularly on the phone, at least we used to. Uh, a political thing came up and we had different opinions. And I was just kind of joking about the political opinion I had about something. And he got very irate and said, you know, I don't know about you, Mom. Uh, and and then he, he says, I don't want to talk to you anymore and hung up the phone on me. And I have not heard from him since. That was last August. Well, wow. oh, my, my goodness. That's horrible. Well, wow. Oh, Emily. First, let me and say he, what a beautiful, beautiful name. My, my oldest daughter's name is Emily. So wow. I'm taking extra time with Emily. The rest <laughs> of the callers whose names are not Emily, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is, I, I wrote a book for you, Emily. I'm just telling you. Now, we're not going to talk too much about it. Kurt and Kate know why. However, it, it's, it's, it's just been released. Adult children who break your heart. I think it's it's got your picture on the cover, a beautiful picture of the beautiful Emily on the cover of this book. I'm just telling you, it's on the website. Adult children who break your heart. You send the letter E to the Curtin Kate show. You you'll go to the website. It'll it'll take you through a series of steps. The, I I see more and more of this political thing. These younger people, they cannot. We no longer can disagree on things, if, especially if they're liberals. I hate to say that, but if they're liberals, they we uh, those of us who are conservative. We're, it's not just we're we're wrong and we're we're terrible people because we believe a certain way. <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. We don't treat them that way. So this is yeah. There's there's a lot more going on here, Emily. You know that you're smart enough to know than just the political thing. Uh, it's being expressed that way. Nothing wrong with your with your boy, obviously. So this I think that the book will, it's, it's a series of steps of confrontation and admitting some faults in your own life, possibly raising him, whatever. There's a series of steps that maybe will bring him to the truth and, and get a, a reestablishment of your, of your relationship.